Listening to the Vince Quinn Show, weekend overnights on CBS Sports Radio. Hello again, my friends. They call it weekend overnights. I call it a morning show. Vince Quinn back with you on CBS Sports Radio. This is gonna be a weird one. This is a weird one today. I gotta tell you, it's it's a very strange day for me to be doing a show because the main topic to start is Carson Wentz. I'm a Philly guy. Like, I went through the whole Wentz experience. And so to get to this point where Wentz got dealt to Indy, uh, we'll paint the whole picture of how crazy this is, how it became such a bad situation, whether or not the deal was worth anything, what does this mean for the Colts. We're going to get into all of that stuff. But first off, again, uh, just hope you've been having a good week. I know that we're on in Texas. To everybody in Texas, I hope you've been safe I hope you've been able to take care of yourselves. I hope some of your power is back, water running, whatever it is. And all the best to you out there because everything I see that's going on in Texas is absolutely brutal. So I hope you're doing all right. But getting into the story here, because let me explain to you how big a deal this was that Carson Wentz got dealt out of Philly. Okay, It starts in 2016, obviously. The guy gets taken as the number two pick in the draft. And the Eagles traded up a lot to get there. They were something like 17 or 14. They were deep. They were in the middle of the first round that year. Then they made a couple of moves. Howie Roseman did magical things. He got rid of bad players. He moved all the way up to number two. They drafted Carson Wentz. I couldn't have been happier. It was as happy as I've ever been. It was amazing. It felt like Wentz was the guy. Because if you looked at Carson Wentz and the prospect that he was, yeah, he was at North Dakota State. It's not a Division One school. Whatever, fine. There's plenty of good players that have come out of, you know, Division Two, AA, whatever you want to call it. I, f- I forget what it's called at this point, but you get what I'm saying. Uh, for a guy like Carson Wentz to come out for that size, the arm strength, the mobility, he was a guy that was billed as just loving football. There's a story that used to go around of Wentz. He was out at dinner with his girlfriend, and she yelled at him because he was looking at the playbook or watching tape under the table at dinner. You know, So that's the kind of guy that he was. When he got drafted at two, and you saw what he started to do at the beginning of his career, and I was there firsthand. It was the one time in my life, it was the one year in my life, I was able to sneak into a season ticket plan. It was amazing. Week one, I'm sitting there. I'm in the stands. I got a Wentz jersey on. I'm geeking out. And they won that first game, and people were excited. It got to the third game of the season. They played the Steelers. Nobody thought they were going to win that game. And they blew the Steelers out of the water. And here's what happened in Philly in 2016 with Carson Wentz. After that game, where they blew out the Steelers, people were wearing Wentz jerseys and literally dancing their way out of the stadium. Okay, it wasn't so graceful. They were probably like 15 beers deep. But you get what I'm saying. Like, there were people literally dancing because they just couldn't believe how great everything was going to be in Philadelphia forever. They renamed the state Wensylvania. They were selling bootleg T-shirts on every corner in South Philly. Like, it was a phenomenon. It was a revolution 
when Carson Wentz first came to Philadelphia. And for 2017, for the guy to be an MVP candidate and the team to win a Super Bowl, it just felt like it was going to go on forever. And now he's Colt. How'd it get here? Right? That's that's one of the things that's so shocking about this. We'll talk about the deal. What did it mean? What is the value? All that stuff. But how did they get here is a really stunning thing. How did this happen? Matthew Stafford got dealt. He'd been there for a long time. He's in his 30s. They haven't built anything ever around him. The best they got was, what, one playoff game? And that's it. Okay, I get why Matthew Stafford got dealt. That makes a lot of sense. Deshaun Watson. Absolute rarity, right? Young guy in his prime playing amazing football and potentially, maybe, possibly on the market. That's a rare thing to see. Carson Wentz is, what, 27, 28 years old? They just gave him a big contract a year ago. He's gone. So what happened? What happened? How did it get this bad? Part of it is... A lot of messy stuff. Nick Foles, a backup quarterback, winning the Super Bowl makes things a little bit complicated. Wentz's injury history makes things a little bit complicated. The other thing is, for the past couple of years, and and this is part of the problem, he just wasn't that good. He just wasn't that good for the last three years. 18, 19, 20. Wasn't that good. I saw every game he played. I saw every game at least twice. He wasn't that good. In fact, this year especially, he was downright awful. And so... How did that happen? How does a guy that's an MVP just a couple of years ago become such a bad player that he got benched and deserved it and now is in a whole other city? He made bad decisions. The coaching staff wasn't great. There were injury problems all over the place. And with that, some dysfunction in the front office, I mean, it's really the playbook and how you don't run a team. It's everything that could have gone wrong with a team did go wrong. And now the guy that's the center of the franchise, that franchise quarterback, the thing that the Eagles gave up so much to get, they gave that guy away for a third-round pick this year, a second-round pick next year that might become a first. Is it enough? Actually, it is. And that's the thing that's that's kind of strange about this because you think about it, it's a number two pick in the draft. They traded up. He's a quarterback in his prime. He's got athletic ability. You know, he's he's got some mobility. So how's a third rounder and maybe a first next year enough? Well, part of it is he can't play right now. He can't play. He is not a good player. He got benched. He deserved to be benched. He wasn't any good. Decision-making was awful. He stayed in the pocket a lot and just got crushed. Uh, it just... All the things that were working with him, all the things that made him great did not seem to be there at all this year. He played more games than he should have. You look at the stats, he played maybe three or four games more than he deserved this year, but he was a franchise guy, and they wanted him to be the franchise guy, and they were so desperate for him to turn it around that they gave him as long a leash as they possibly could. It got to the point where they couldn't stomach it anymore, and they had to put that guy on the bench. They just had no other choice. So... What's he worth? When you got a quarterback that got deservedly benched, what's he worth? For a guy that's got a little bit of an injury history, although it is overstated, the injuries, I think they're more freak than anything, but he's got an injury history. How much is he worth? It came down to two teams for Carson Wentz. Two. Two in the league. How many teams in the league are interested in Deshaun Watson? Basically everybody. 
on some level, it's a question of whether or not they're actually able to do it. Do you have the cap space? Do you have the amount of draft picks that's going to be able to get you to that conversation? Those are the things that limit you. But anybody that doesn't have Aaron Rodgers, they're going to be looking at trying to have a conversation about Deshaun Watson. That's not the case with Carson Wentz. There were two teams that were in on it. He wanted out, and that's part of this conversation too. He wanted to leave Philly. We will talk more about that later. But he wanted to leave Philadelphia. Chicago wanted him, and the Colts wanted him. Wentz didn't want Chicago. So, he had one team. One. There was one single team in the NFL that they could feasibly work out a deal for. They got a third-round pick this year. They got uh, maybe a first-rounder. As of now, it's a second. There's some conditions in there. I won't bore you with those details for the moment, but that's a part of the deal, and that's it. It's not bad. It's not thrilling because what you expected when he was a number two pick, when he was an MVP candidate, you get excited about all those things, and you think of what that was, and he's still not over the hill. Again, he's maybe 28 years old. But what he was a couple of years ago is not who he is now. And that's the fundamental problem. If he was who he was three years ago, they're not trading him. He's not an awful quarterback. He was a downright awful quarterback this year. And he wanted to leave, and not that many people were interested. They were scared of him for the contract, for the injury history, for the level of play, and they decided to unload him. So, for the deal, for the value in itself, in the moment, it's sad that they got here, but... It's not a bad haul. It's not a bad haul for where he is and who he is and what was available. He limited his own options. So that's part of the conversation. Should they have gotten here, though, is the bigger deal. Should they have gotten here? Should it have gotten to this point where Carson Wentz, a guy of his stature and success in previous years, he's already gone. They've already moved on from him. And not just he became a free agent. Again, the Stafford thing, he's been around for a while, and they just decided it was time for everybody. They're changing head coaches for the 30th time in his eight-year career. And they go, okay, let's let this guy go somewhere else and actually have a shot. You know, it. they gave up on him, and he gave up on them. Ugly business. I mean, really, for this kind of thing to fall apart the way that it did, for a team to win a Super Bowl three years ago, and now it feels like that was 20 years ago. It's a pretty shocking thing. One of the things I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, because you get into these conversations when a team wins the Super Bowl, and people will love to tell you, oh my God, if we could just win a Super Bowl, I wouldn't care for 10 years. It doesn't matter if they win another game. They could never win again. They could go 0-16 for 10 years, but if they win the Super Bowl, I won't care. And when they win that Super Bowl, you don't care. The moment they do, you don't care. But then you're spending every day, every single day, you wake up, and the team's bad, and they're getting worse. And now there's negative stories that are coming out that are either being leaked from the team or somebody's getting the scoop. And so now you're talking about those things all the time. You're talking about failure. You're talking about disappointment, missed expectations. And at some point, you don't forget about the parade that happened a couple of years ago, but at some point, it's not the first thing on your mind. It's not the fifth thing on your mind. It's not the 10th thing on your mind. It's the 40th thing on your mind because so many things have happened in the moment that don't work. And for the Eagles, that's where this whole thing is gone. It's the sign of a failure of an organization, and it's the sign of failure from a player. Because part of the issue here is accountability from Carson Wentz. That's part of it. He's got to acknowledge the kind of player that he was 
for that last season, especially as much as he wasn't great. He had moments in 2019, last four games of the year, played lights-out football. He carried a bad team into the playoffs. But that was four games out of 16. And for a lot of those games, he wasn't that good. And so part of it is Wentz acknowledging the kind of player that he is, the mistakes that he's making, making adjustments to his game. Those things didn't properly happen. So he's got some level of accountability here, and he's got to bear the brunt of that. Does he realize the error of his ways? Will he think about that now that he's in a new location? Is it going to change anything? Or is he going to be the same guy and just be the same guy somewhere else? That's going to be a major question. But part of it is an organization that couldn't get this guy and grow him and build him and fix him. The coaching failed. The general manager failed. The players around him either got too old or too injured, and they failed as well. And the whole thing crumbled. That's what's so surprising about this. It's not just Wentz, the player. It's not just the Colts and what it means for them, but a team that felt like the executive of the year would have had the MVP, Super Bowl-winning head coach, one of the greatest stories you could ever see with a backup quarterback winning the Super Bowl in a shootout with Tom Brady and the Patriots, Nick Foles catching a touchdown in the Super Bowl, you know, the Philly special, which people in Philly have tattooed all over their bodies, and that is not an exaggeration. Um, It's crazy. It's crazy that it got to this point. And it's sad, and in a lot of ways, just for me personally, again, like being a being an Eagles guy, buying Wentz as much as I could have possibly bought into the stock of the guy. He just hasn't been the same player. And I'm curious for you, because again, for me, it's a little different. I'm in this every day. I'm reading local stories. I do some work at a station in Philly. So for me, my perspective of this and the way I've looked at it is it, it's from living in it. And so for you being on the outside, I mean, what do you make of Carson Wentz? What do you make of this situation? What do you think of him as a player? Do you think that the the team failed him? Do you think that he's a guy that's just not that good? Was he ever that good? Did he just have one hot year for a couple of weeks in 2017? He He was a pretty good player with an amazing team. Like, who is this guy? Do you feel like your team missed out? Are you a fan of a squad that you say, you know, if they traded for Wentz, I think they should have gone and paid that price. Maybe you would have been happy giving up a third and a second-round pick next year that could become a first. Maybe that's worth it. But how valuable is Carson Wentz to you? How great is he? How great can he be? How much of this was an Eagles problem? How good is he going to be if he goes to the Colts? Love to talk to you about it. 855-212-4227. That's how you join the show. I'm Vince Quinn. You can always hit me up on Twitter as well. Happy to read tweets and and reply to you on there as much as I can. Uh, 855-212-4227. Again, is how you do this on the phone. So with that being said, again, we just covered a lot of the Eagles ground on this related to Wentz. Let's go to the Colts side. Okay. Uh, Who are the Colts now? Because depending on who you talk to, it's either they're a team that really didn't make any strides or... Maybe they're Super Bowl contenders now. Who are the Colts at this point? What does the Wentz trade mean? That's all on the other side. Also, we are coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. When you want the ability to adjust your loan options in real time, Rocket can, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Vince Quinn Show on CBS Sports Radio.
You're listening to the Vince Quinn Show on CBS Sports Radio. The question is simple. Is Carson Wentz going to be successful with the Colts? Yes or no? That's it. It's nice and easy. I just put it up as a poll on Twitter. And please vote at It's Vince Quinn. All one word, at It's Vince Quinn. In part because most of my Twitter following is from Philly, and it will be a very biased vote off the jump. So i got to balance it out. I need you guys to come in. Uh, So we'll go to the phones. We'll talk about that in just a second. I'm also going to be getting to the quarterback market in the NFL. And does this change anything? Is it different? Is it a different landscape after Jared Goff, after what we're seeing with Carson Wentz, uh, Dak Prescott? getting franchise tagged, and who knows what happens with him this offseason, right? There's so many things that are going on with quarterbacks that are so new and different and exceptional, and it makes you question the whole structure. In a way, quarterbacks are a bubble that has popped. Because think about it. These guys get paid crazy amounts of money. It's just, hey, this guy's a decent quarterback, and we're scared of letting him go, so we need to pay him more than any other quarterback in the league. And that's been the run of all of this for forever. That's just how it's been going. It's been how it's going for as long as I can remember, as long as I've been following the league. It's just, hey, you're pretty good. All right, you're average. All right, well, here's the best contract that football's literally ever seen. Eli Manning retiring as the highest-paid quarterback or highest-paid player in NFL history. You know what I mean? What is that about? Is he worth that? No. But as as a guy who was maybe in the top 10, maybe, for most of his career, he just kept showing up for contracts, and he did it long enough, and he always got paid like the top guy, and there you go. Bada-bing, bada-boom, right? So it's crazy. It's crazy. Is there something wrong with that? Probably. So let's talk about that a little bit more in just a minute. But first, let's go to the phones, and we'll go to Bobby in Detroit. Bobby, you're on CBS Sports Radio. What's up, Bobby? Yeah, how's it going, man? Um, yeah, you know, the landscape has definitely changed. Uh, Stafford, really, uh, Detroit really got a really good deal with with Stafford deal, and I, uh, yeah. you know, they, they pounded it out. But when when you talk about Carson Wentz going to Indianapolis, I, they're front runners to win their division. Uh, I think Tennessee got exposed last year. I think they they figured out if you stack the box against them, you can shut down the running game. But, uh, you know, in the uh, East, NFC East, it, it's it's up for grabs. It's whoever has the best defense, which was the case last year with uh, Washington winning it. Yeah, it's going to be basically who can go 8-8 eight and eight or 9-7 and seven at the most. I mean, it's not a good division. It's just not. So as as weird as it is, the Eagles could win the division next year. I don't expect it, but they've got a shot. Yeah, they definitely have a shot, but uh, I think with the Giants, if Saquon Barkley can get get back to beast mode and play play great, they got a chance too. So it's it's, it's up for grabs in the East. So yeah, have no. a good night, man. All right, appreciate it, Bobby. Let's go to Troy in San Diego. Troy, what's going on? Hey, I think uh, I think Carson Wentz is set up for success in Indianapolis. I think what a lot of people don't recall is that he was having an MVP season the year they went to the Super Bowl. Then he got hurt, obviously, and, yep. and lost his job. Nick Foles got the glory. But uh, he goes to a situation where you guys talked about one of the best offensive lines, if not the best in the NFL, a great running game with uh, Jonathan and Taylor. He really came on strong. And if you look at what Philip Rivers did there, he didn't have to win games. In fact, when he tried to win games, he turned the ball over and they lost games. But 
Carson Wentz isn't going to have to win games. He can be that game manager that uh, you spoke about. And uh, Frank Reich did wonders with Phillip Rivers because if you look at Phillip Rivers when you left the Chargers, he had some pretty good weapons there in L.A., and they still lost games. He comes to Indianapolis. Weapons may be as good, but maybe not. And they go to the playoffs and almost knock off Buffalo on the road. So I think Carson Wentz is in a great situation. He's playing indoors. You mentioned that he makes some great plays and had great plays. I, I think he can really do that again when he doesn't have to be the guy night in and night out. And, of course, as you mentioned, he doesn't have the uh, Philly fans bearing down on him every single game and scrutinizing every missed play that he has. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a great fit for him. And, Troy, I appreciate it. That's Here's the one thing I'll say, right, because Philly fans get characterized in a million different ways, and they're mostly inaccurate, right? It's a lot of, the, oh, Santa Claus. It, Santa Claus was in the 60s. The 60s, okay? What are we talking about? It's 80 years ago. Yeah, like it's forever ago. It was 5,000 years ago. It, it, Moses was alive in the 60s. That's when the Ten Commandments happened, okay? I'm sorry. Uh, you, you just can't judge people from the 60s. It's ridiculous. Where do you live? Is the town exactly the same as it was in the 60s? If you're in a big city, probably not. So half the city loves Wentz. They love him to death, and they hate the organization, and they're miserable that he got traded to the Colts, and they think it's a disaster, and he's going to burn the Eagles by being with the Colts. So it's not like Philly, like everybody hates Wentz. Okay, that's not the case at all. But there is a lot of pressure. There was a lot of pressure around the guy, and he didn't live up to it. And part of it is... And this is part of the reason why Wentz has had these struggles over the years. He's put pressure on himself. He's wanted to be the guy. He's wanted to show that he can be the guy. And at first, it was inspiring. It was admirable. That's what you want to see in a quarterback, right? It's a guy that comes out and goes, hey, I think I'm a superstar. I want to be a superstar. Let me show you that I'm a superstar. But when he kept putting that kind of pressure on himself, but he wasn't quite able to make the plays, it just killed the team. It killed the team. And so if they can scale that back a little bit and have him in the right situation in the, with the Colts, he could be pretty good pretty soon. There's nothing wrong with being a game manager. People look at that and they, they treat it like it's some sort of dirty phrase, like it's a backhanded compliment. It's not. If you're a good enough quarterback and your salary's right and you can pay people around you, then you have a well-built team. But when do teams win the Super Bowl? When a quarterback, for the most part, is on a rookie deal or not making as much money as the top quarterbacks in the league. We talked about it last week. Graceffo made this point, and he's 100% on the money with this, and and I guess money being a very fitting word. Um, Tom Brady isn't getting paid top-of-the-line money. He's not close. So what does that allow him to do? Well, it's Antonio Brown, it's Leonard Fournette, it's Rob Gronkowski, all those different guys, all the free agents they're going to have this year, which is all of those guys. Uh, Barrett is going to be a free agent. They've got all these different guys that they're probably going to be able to bring back, at least most of them, because Brady's not getting paid crazy money. So that's where you go back and look at the quarterback market. You have to consider just... That cycle that we got into, or well, not we, I'm not sitting down having these discussions. I'm not having these. I'm not an agent. Um, although if they want to hire me, I'll gladly take a cut of some NFL player's contract. I'll do that in a heartbeat. I won't be a good negotiator, but whatever they take, I'll, I'll be happy to have. Um, for the league to have these kinds of conversations and live in this cycle of your average, here's the best deal the league's ever seen, it's clearly a mistake. And teams are getting bit by that now. And it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out in the near future. Next example is Dak Prescott. Where does it go? How much does he get paid? 
He's got a franchise tag that he could get this year, which puts him, what, in the average of the top five quarterbacks in the league? So he's going to get a lot of money this year. It's a lot of money. And is that worth it for Dallas? Do they tag him with the intent to trade him for a team that would trade for Dak Prescott? How much do you pay? What's he worth per year? Would you pay him like the best quarterback in the league? Do you give him a top-of-the-line contract? Are you terrified he's coming off the injury and you see what happened with Goff and Wentz in the same draft? Does that scare you off? I don't know. I'm curious to see where the league goes with that. That's a major question, trying to figure out how all of this works going forward, how all these different trades and quarterback problems, how they change the league. Think of some of the guys that are coming up next year. So not this offseason have the contracts, but next year as we get to 2022 free agency, right? Some of the guys that are free agents in 2022. So conversations will will also be starting soon-ish in the next couple of months, and maybe it goes into September. Baker Mayfield? What's Baker Mayfield worth? That's a hell of a question, isn't it? How much money should he be getting paid? Lamar Jackson. How much money should he be getting paid? Does he get a top-of-the-line deal? Is he worth that? How much is he worth? How fair is it? How how do you work out those negotiations? And then uh, Josh Allen, which right now, Josh Allen is definitely slated to get a top-of-the-line deal. Now, he's had one great season of ungodly good football, so he's got a pretty good case. But if you're the Bills, on some level, you are worried that things can go south quickly. So how do all of those deals shake out? How does this change the dynamic? Does it change at all? Maybe everything's exactly the same after this, but I have a hard time believing that. And maybe, and this this would be, this is a wild proposal. Maybe guys get paid for being how good they actually are. You know, it's like, I, I mean, maybe it's because Graceffa, you're kind of smiling about it. Like, it, it's a wild concept in the NFL, but maybe we see that for a change. Well, again, uh, I agree with you for the most part. The days of Ryan Tannehill being the highest-paid quarterback in the league have to be over. Have to. Like, like they just got to end. <laughs> like, the, the idea of throwing, like, the Dolphins did it, and the the Dolphins were basically in the no-man's land of, you know, we don't want to lose Ryan Tannehill, but, you know, uh, where do we go if we don't have him? Like, what, like, what are our real options? So the Dolphins were kind of stuck in the middle when they gave him the first extension, and then he parlayed it. To an, into another extension where he got top-of-the-line money. So Ryan Tannehill was able to double-dip twice and get top-of-the-line money. Like, the date, like, and now I think the NFL's kind of solved that problem because Patrick Mahomes blew everybody out of the water with his contract. Like, guys like Dak that are coming up to be free agents, guys like that Lamar Jackson that are coming up to be free agents, they haven't shown what Patrick Mahomes has shown, let's be honest. No, like, no, like, not there's close. no way that the Cowboys, the Ravens, Team X should pay whomever comes up more than Patrick Mahomes. It would be insanity. Well, does he become the lone... Maybe, like, he's in another stratosphere. He's just another... Like, he's in his own universe, and everybody just gets rid of that deal, but they keep doing the same thing with everybody I else. Could, I could see that happening, but in reality, that's probably not where you should be. Like, you're talking like you're talking about this famed class of Baker Mayfield and Josh Allen and Sam Darnold and uh, Josh Rosen. These guys should not be getting paid top-of-the-line money. Like... Baker Mayfield's a game manager. Sam Darnold showed nothing. Josh Rosen's out of the league, basically. He's yeah. hanging on for his life. So when these guys come up for their contracts, they shouldn't get top-of-the-line money. There's no way. So the so the Browns, the Jets, uh, wherever Josh Rosen is at the end of the day, 
I mean, Josh Rosen is a non-starter, so it's, there's no point in bringing <laughs> well, him up. Yeah, so the Browns and the Jets right should not be paying top-of-the-line money for their guys. It, it, you can't do it. You shouldn't. So we'll see. We'll see if it changes the dynamic, and maybe it actually allows good but not great quarterbacks to actually win something. Maybe. It's a crazy idea, but maybe it allows those guys to win a Super Bowl. Uh, 855-212-4227. That's how you join the show. Ben Roethlisberger might be out in Pittsburgh. We're going to talk about that next. Keep it right here. You're listening to the Vince Quinn Show on CBS Sports Radio. CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to The Vince Quinn Show, weekend overnights on CBS Sports Radio. Big Ben might be out in Pittsburgh, which is a very fascinating story. There's a lot of things going into the idea that Ben Roethlisberger could be out in Pittsburgh. I want to get to that in just a couple of minutes. We started the show talking about Carson Wentz. If you want to get in, you think he's going to be successful with the Colts. Will he? Will he not? 855 212 4227. That's how you join the show. 855 212 4227. We're coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios when you want the ability to adjust your loan options in real time. Rocket can. And right now, in real time, 84% of people think Wentz will be successful with the Colts. That's the results that we have on Twitter. All 44 votes, baby. We're going to the top. We're viral, Graceffo. It's more like a like a cold than a virus. <laughs> 44 people at a time. We're in double digits, baby. We're changing the world. If you get to triples by six, let's let's celebrate. There we go. I'm if demanding a raise. Go, if we could go anywhere, we would go somewhere. <laughs> you could get to triples in, in votes. <laughs> people are knocking down my door left and right. They're dying to get the Vince Quinn show. Um, call me. No, but... Let's let's talk about stop the nonsense and let's talk about uh, Ben Roethlisberger for a minute here because woo, there's a lot of smoke that's starting to come up around the idea that Big Ben could be gone. They've been lukewarm about keeping him around and with good reason. Who is Ben Roethlisberger at this point? Is he a superstar quarterback? Is he a great quarterback? Is he a guy that you really worry about week in and week out? Because here's the thing. Here's the credit that I'll give to Ben Roethlisberger. What he's been able to do. You think about the guy that he's been over the course of his career. Because he starts off like most quarterbacks, right? It's hand the ball off, make a couple of passes, be a game manager. He sticks around for a couple of years. He keeps getting better. He starts to make more and more plays down the field. They trust the offense more to him. In a way, he's gone the Tom Brady route. Like, he went from the game manager to the superstar guy that could throw it 35 to 40 times a game and win you the game. He's had some ridiculous games where he's thrown it like 500,000 times and a half, and they needed him to do it, and it worked, and they won. He's had games like that. He's had an amazing career. And for him to be that kind of guy, grow into that kind of guy, and then have that graceful last phase of his career where he becomes a guy that just makes the quick, easy passes. He's been doing this for a couple of years now. He's been able to get the ball, 
immediately look for a guy, look left, look right, fire the ball out. He gets it out just as fast as anybody in the league and keep the offense moving. So he's adapted. He's survived to get to this point, right? It's not like he's got the arm talent of Aaron Rodgers right now, and so he can do all the things that he used to, that he did in his prime. That is not the case. And so credit for Roethlisberger to make those adjustments, to get as much out of himself as he's been able to do. But how far has he taken the Steelers? They've hit their peak. I don't see the Steelers getting any better than they are right now with Ben Roethlisberger. They've gotten everything they could get out of it. They went 11-0 and this year. And, Graceffo, do you remember the, the conversations we were having, like, on this show when he was 11-0, and we were looking at the Steelers? Did you buy them for a minute? No, I, we all thought it was a paper 11-0, and and we all thought the Chiefs were still the best team in football. Yeah. <laughs> like, the Steelers were undefeated, and we all thought the Chiefs were markedly better. And to be fair, the Steelers had played basically no one. Like, let's be honest. Like, they got to play the NFC East this year. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. The Eagles are doing just great. They're doing yeah, fine. Uh-huh. Yeah. Get in line. No, I mean, the Giants still exist. The Washington football team still exists. The Cowboys. So, the yeah. Steelers, to, to sum it up, I think we all knew that the Steelers were a paper 11-0. and And they weren't going places that, you know, the record was showing. No. And that's the thing. is You look at this team. They're capped. They're capped. Now, here's where it gets interesting, because for the Steelers to start looking at other ideas and consider other possibilities and leave the door open is a smart move by them, because one, they should be doing it anyway, but two, it gives them some leverage here with Ben Roethlisberger. One of the things that Roethlisberger said towards the end of the season or maybe right after the season was, you know, I would love to take some sort of drop in salary. I don't have the the exact quote, but he talked about taking a cap hit of of lo- or giving back money to the Steelers for the idea of having a better team around him, adding more pieces and having a better shot at a Super Bowl. Now, how willing is Ben Roethlisberger to do it? Because if he wanted to, he could go all the way down to the veteran minimum. That is the floor. It is the literal minimum that you can accept. If he was willing to do that, slam dunk. You keep Ben Roethlisberger. You put all that money into anything else that you possibly can, and you go for it. He's been in the league for forever. He's been in the league for a very long time. He's got all the money in the world. His grandchildren have all the money in the world. They're going to be just fine. If he wanted to make that kind of move, he could. Now, it's his money and not mine, so it's easy to say that kind of thing. So, realistically, and that's where you have to now recalibrate. Realistically, how much... Is Ben Roethlisberger willing to give up to stay in Pittsburgh? Because here's the thing. Pittsburgh has plenty of avenues, plenty of different ways that they could go and win a Super Bowl with the roster they've got without Ben Roethlisberger. I don't know where Ben Roethlisberger is going to win a Super Bowl anywhere else. Where does he go? Serious question. Where does he go? Where does he go? Is there a team that you can think of right now that you put Ben Roethlisberger on and he's the missing piece? Graceffo, can you think of anybody? I mean, seriously. I'm trying to like run down the list of teams in my head right now. I can't think of a team that he puts over the top. And that's the problem here. You got something? This one's a little out of left field, but how about San Francisco? San Francisco is actually a really fun one. I Okay. Now... Is it worth it, though, 
if you're the 49ers, is it worth it to give up on Jimmy G for Roethlisberger? No. So that's the problem. But but that's me talking. Yeah. That's me talking. No, it's an interesting thought. That's It a- seems like the Niners are are trying to make an upgrade. Um but they're not going to have they're not going to have the ability to make the upgrade that they really want. Like they 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 have dreams of Deshaun Watson and the Niners are not the Niners don't have the draft capital <laughs> to get Deshaun Watson. No, probably like, let's be not. Honest. Probably not. And then the other thing is yeah, you got to give up Jimmy Garoppolo in the process. I just it's tough, man. They they also have the Matt Ryan option that's floating around a little bit. Well, I mean, everything you hear, I don't think that's going to happen, at least not this year. Like, Matt Ryan's going to stick around, and if the Falcons do take a quarterback, Matt Ryan's going to be there to shepherd the kid along for a year. Maybe, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, that's basically everything that, you know, we're seeing. Like, it doesn't seem like Matt Ryan's going anywhere. Probably not, but it's been floated around that San Francisco could be interested in new, you know, new management but in Atlanta. It, but to, to, to belabor your point, there aren't a lot of teams where you would say, oh, Ben, there's the answer right there. I mean, be, like, let's be fair. Do we really need to see Ben in another uniform somewhere else at his age, knowing that he can't? He's not the player he was. He can't move. <laughs> the <laughs> The offense is really limited to, like you said, there's no going down the field anymore for Ben. It's over. So... If he were to come back, the only w- place he's probably coming back is the Steelers. And if you're Ben, do you really want to go somewhere else and have to like learn a, learn a new building, learn new coaches, learn new teammates, learn everything, start all over again? Do you really want to do that if you're Ben Roethlisberger? Probably not. Probably not. And it's exceptional that Rivers did that last year. Because I didn't think he would. Maybe because he had to move already going from San Diego to L.A. that he was more willing to do that. But at the end of the nobody really wanted nobody else really wanted Phillip Rivers at the end of the day. Too. The Chargers basically told him to go home. The Steelers haven't done that yet. They seem like they're on the edge of doing that, but the Steelers haven't told him yet that. Yeah, they want to so see how the market plays if out. They, if they can conv- like all the stuff you said about Ben is admirable. That's all true. But it still comes back to the other side of the coin of did the Steelers even want Ben back? At whatever number he's willing to play for. And that's the other thing, right? Because, again, it's, okay, how many teams could Roethlisberger turn into a Super Bowl contender? Maybe, kind of, sort of, San Francisco. Maybe. Maybe. But it doesn't make all that much sense for them. But, for the Steelers, how many quarterbacks could you plug into the Steelers and you can make a good case that they're a contender? Because I think there's a number. I mean, that is a good roster with a lot of receivers, a quality defense. That's a good team. But they don't have the ro- the quarterback on the roster now is the point. Well, that's the thing. So how many guys around the league could you plug into that team that you could feasibly turn them into a legitimate contender? For example, because obviously now the deal's been done and it's not going to happen. But if you had gotten Carson Wentz and they were able to reclaim Carson Wentz, could Wentz with that team, with those receivers and defense, could they be a contender? I think so. Yeah, sure. I get, I get where you're coming from. Um I think the Steelers really do think they have something invested in Dwayne Haskins. Like, at the end of the day, like, honestly, the Steelers know that they brought in Haskins for nothing. They're going to try to build him up from the ground up, try to get his maturity to to match his talent. Uh, If if anyone can do it, uh, I would give Mike Tomlin a fair chance to do it. Uh, So, you know, for them to take a chance on Haskins and see if he can play... It, that's not the worst flyer you could take. No, it's not the worst flyer. They should probably get some competition or, and this is the other scenario, and this is the conversations they have to be having, Haskins has been compared to Roethlisberger. And so when you've got Roethlisberger in the building, you go, okay, 
Maybe we don't really think we're going to win a Super Bowl with Ben. We think we're going to be competitive, and if things break our way, absolutely, we're in the outside conversation on this. So is it worth it to be in the outside conversation with Ben, have Haskins there as the backup, have him learn from Ben for a year, maybe give him a game or two at the end of the season, depending on how things are going, you can make some transition and go from there. Is that worth it for him? And it might be. To get Haskins for nothing and reclaim him and the Steelers, I mean, they're just a well-run organization. You can buy that that can happen. It's just, is that the right move? And are they shutting themselves out of opportunities? How many opportunities do you consider? For example, I don't know. I'm, I'm just spitballing here. But would Sam Darnold make sense to bring in for nothing? Whatever Sam Darnold's going to cost well, you. Well, the Jets, are, the Jets aren't going to part with Sam Darnold for nothing. Well, what, what do you think it would cost to get Sam Darnold? A two. A two? Okay. A two and probably something else. Like, like Josh Rosen went from Arizona to Miami for a two. Now, you can dog on Sam Darnold all you want. He's he's shown more than Josh Rosen ever has or ever will in the National Football League. No, that's true. That's You're 100% right on that. And so maybe you give up a second round. Is that worth it? Give him a second rounder. You bring in Sam Darnold. You have him compete but with Haskins. Ha- here, here's what you have to do, though. You basically have a year to decide if Sam Darnold is your guy. He's on the same contract plane as Josh Allen, as Baker Mayfield, yeah. as these other guys. Lamar Jackson. He's on the same plane as these guys. They're all picked the same year. So you basically have one year to figure it out with Sam Darnold if he's your guy, if that's where you want to go if you're the Steelers. And then you have to pick up his fifth-year option, which is 20 something million dollars. So now you're committing a $20 million fifth-year option to a guy who you don't know for sure that can play. Well, you could extend him and just do a short two-year deal. Sure, but if you're Sam Darnold, do you want to take that extension or do you want to take the guaranteed money or do you want to risk it and play one good year and see if you can get to free agency? Mm, I don't know. That's that's a tough one for him. So that's the thing. But just getting into this idea of the Steelers, what kind of options do they have and can they be better off without Big Ben? Probably. They probably can. And they really, I mean, they've stretched this out and they've thought about options. They drafted Mason Rudolph, for example. That's not going to work. Not in any real way. So... They got to come up with something here, and now they're they're really exploring ideas, and I think they should. So eight five five two one two four two two seven. That's how you join the show. Eight five five two one two four two two seven. We go to Marvin in Colorado. Marvin, what's going on? How you doing tonight? I'm doing good. What's up? Good. I don't think uh, Carson Wentz is going to be showing anything uh, for the Colts, but uh, failure because. He hasn't showed anything since the Super Bowl, and uh, that's my opinion. Uh, I went to Watson High School here in Colorado Springs, Colorado, and I could probably be a better quarterback than he was. <laughs> well, last year he was really bad. <laughs> Thanks, Marvin. He's had moments. That's the thing. He's had moments, but the consistency isn't there. It's just been too long for Wentz, and that's the thing. You could say 2017 till you're blue in the face, and I've heard it a billion times, but... It's 2017. That's a long time ago in the NFL. That's forever ago. That's from, as a running back, being king of the world to being completely out of the league three years. Right? That's a long time. So, for Wentz, yeah, it's been a massive drop-off. Is he completely gone? Is he unfixable? Maybe. But he hasn't been totally inept (laughs) since 2017. It has been a, a massive downward trend, though. So let's go to Jason in Virginia. Jason, you're on CBS Sports Radio. What's up? Hey, what's going on, man? I love your show, by the way. Thank um, you. I, I'm going to definitely say that, okay, the Steelers, 
we can definitely kick the tires with Dwayne Haskins, but why not just draft the quarterback? We got Matt Jones out there. We got Kyle Trask out there. Kyle Trask will definitely fall to Pittsburgh. And we keep Big Ben and, and make him mentor for one time in his life another quarterback. Like, you know what I'm saying? I think that's a good idea, right? Okay, Trask, Trask and Mac Jones are interesting options for the Steelers. Late in the first, I think those guys are more second-rounders, but you're, it's a quarterback, so you tend to reach. If the Steelers like one of those guys, yeah, I, I like that idea. But do you think that um, the way it happens, I think, like, he don't even belong in the NFL. I think, like, he's not even good enough to play in the NFL. Well, everything about him, he he wasn't that good as a player, and he's got all the -the off-the-field stuff that made Washington give up on him almost instantly. So it's a bad look, yeah. Yeah, Tom was from the, um, you know, the the, the, the Del Marva, so I guess maybe he brought him over to, you know, kick his tires. But I just, man, I don't know, man. I think we keep Big Ben, why not? I mean, no one's going to get I mean, maybe Denver or somebody like that, but... I don't know, man. Denver, I think that huh. we should draft the quarterback, no doubt about it. Okay, and Jason, I appreciate it. Yeah, if one of those guys is available late in the first, go for it. Go for it. If you like him as Pittsburgh, you might as well. Because here's the thing. Dwayne Haskins is not good enough to prevent you from adding anybody. He doesn't prevent you from adding anybody. That is a guy that, at best, he deserves to compete. And that's all he is at this stage. You got him for nothing. You got him for nothing for a reason. And you got to find somebody. So make them compete. See what you can get. If you have to draft, so be it. Now, 855-212-4227. That's how you join the show. 855-212-4227. The longest game in NHL history, kind of, happened today. Let's talk about an absolute disaster that is coming up next. You're listening to the Vince Quinn Show on CBS Sports Radio. CBS Sports Radio. Listening to the Vince Quinn Show, weekend overnights on CBS Sports Radio. So Carson Wentz is an Indianapolis Colt. And for it to get to this point, I mean, what a disaster the Eagles have become. Just what a mess. And we're going to get into that a ton in the next couple of minutes here. I'm Vince Quinn with you. Coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. When you want the ability to adjust your loan options in real time, Rocket can. And... Think about this. It's really amazing. You get a team that wins the Super Bowl in 2017. Head coach in his second year. Never been a head coach before. General manager wins executive of the year. Quarterback that was on track to be the MVP. Three years later. Three. Three seasons later. The head coach is out. Roseman is awful as a GM. Nobody in Philadelphia believes he should have his job. That's, and I used to be a Roseman guy coming from Philly, being an Eagles fan historically. You know, that's, that's I mean, it's, it's just hard right now. I am an Eagles fan, but it's, it's hard. Um, there's just no reason how Roseman should have the job. He just shouldn't. So he's been terrible. He's, he's gone completely off the rails. And Wentz is a Colt. Your franchise guy is playing for another team, and he's still in his prime years. It's crazy that it got to this point this quickly. Super Bowl teams fall apart for plenty of reasons. Plenty of them. 
But I don't know if anybody's falling apart like this. Everything that felt so good and so right and felt like this could be a dynasty, this could be a team that would be competitive at the very least for a long time, be a contender. None of it works. And how does that happen? How does it fall apart so quickly? Because the teams that that win a Super Bowl and then it changes, a couple of things happen. One of them is you win the Super Bowl, you have a lot of guys that are free agents, you can't afford those guys anymore, they all leave in free agency because they just won a Super Bowl. And other teams go, hey, that guy just won a Super Bowl, he's a free agent. Don't you want a piece of that? Well, yes, we certainly do. And so that guy often gets overpaid, whoever they are. They'll get overpaid. Like, I think of the Baltimore Ravens when they won the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. All their guys just were swimming in money, and the team broke up. They kept some of the players. Obviously, you don't lose all 52, but plenty of the major players. Um, Ellerby, for example, there was the the other linebacker that went to Cleveland, and he got a bunch of money, and I feel like he didn't do anything once he got there. So there's just a lot of stuff that happened that broke up the Ravens. Guys hit free agency. That happens. That's a common theme for teams that win once and then don't win again for a long time. Another thing that happens is it's a team that it's their last shot. Right? They they bring the band back together for one last try. And it's a team that's just getting old. And it's never quite the same again. The age factor is too great. Things change over in the next year. Or... Having won the Super Bowl, your key players retire. And so now you have to go and refresh and restart, and you just don't win again for quite some time. When you do win again, or if you win again, it's with a almost completely different team. So those kinds of things happen. But to have the coach there, the quarterback there, the GM there, and none of it works, that's amazing. I mean, really, that's that's amazing. Because you look back at the whole thing, And it's a fluke. The Eagles winning the Super Bowl was a fluke. It's the most beautiful, amazing fluke that I've ever seen in my life. But I don't think there's any doubt that it was a fluke. It's a miracle. It's almost... For me to come out and ask the question at the start of this of, you know, how did the Eagles get to this point? Maybe it's more of a question of how did they win? How did they get over the top? Just the right mix of everything. It's crazy. Every free agent they signed that year worked out to perfection. Every draft pick was doing enough. It just, it all felt incredible. It There was a point maybe seven weeks into the season. They played this really super gritty game against Carolina. It was on the road. Short week, Thursday night football. Cam Newton playing out of his mind. Wentz got hit a million times in that game. And they only scored like 16 points. But you could feel it after that game that it was a Super Bowl caliber win. It was just a nasty, tough physical game and for them to come out and win it just felt real I remember looking at friends of mine uh, I was doing an Eagles podcast at the time and we looked at each other and went like this is this might be something this isn't just a good team this is a great team and they went on to win and you look back and you just go how it, it's a, it's incredible everything came together and now they don't have any of it so what happened well one and, and this is you know, fact of life in the NFL. I'm not shattering anybody's visions here, but 
they were terrible at drafting. They've been terrible at drafting for the last couple of years. Obviously, you can't afford to do that, and it's what are the ramifications when you do. What happens when you don't draft well? Well, a lot of different problems pop up. So many problems pop up because you draft a guy, you draft all of these guys with the intention that you have some plan, right? You draft them saying, okay, this guy is going to be our starting left tackle for a long time. And then it's Andre Dillard and he's not. Or you draft somebody saying, okay, this is going to be a project wide receiver and they're going to eventually grow into a starter for us. And they don't. And then what happens when you draft these guys, guys in the secondary, and they don't hit? Well, now you got to pay somebody to do it. So you get these cheap guys that are on rookie deals with the idea that in three or four years, yeah, they're going to grow into great players and you'll have to pay them, but they'll have earned that and you've paid them very little for a couple of years. So it's worth it. It's worth the investment. That's what you do. That's what great teams do. That's how they win. They draft well. And when you don't draft well, now you got to pay guys older guys to fill those gaps. You trade for guys to make up for those bad draft picks. So now it's not just that you made the draft pick and it didn't work. And now that individual player was a mistake or you didn't develop them. And now you've got to go and draft somebody else. But when you're trading for veterans to fill holes that you couldn't do while drafting, now you're giving up draft picks in addition to the bad pick you spent to bring in another player. Maybe it's a guy like Darius Slay from the Lions. And now you're giving up draft picks and you're paying him a top-of-the-line salary as a cornerback, which is very different than just spending one pick on one guy and paying him peanuts for three or four years. It's a massive difference. It kills you. When you do that so many times, and that's what happened with the Eagles again and again and again, they missed out on players. They couldn't develop players. They signed Deshaun Jackson and brought him back, and it was fun for a week because the first week he was back, he was amazing. He had like 152 yards on three catches, two touchdowns. You're like, holy crap, this is a miracle. This is perfect. This couldn't be any better. And then he gets hurt the next week, and you basically don't see him again for two years. Now the Eagles just released him. They had to bring him back in part because of mistakes, because they couldn't draft, because they couldn't develop. And so those are the kind of problems that you get. Part of it is, and this is how, you know, talking about a great franchise and the way that it falls apart, another thing that can play into that is when you've got a head coach that has a great staff and you can't replace the staff. It's a big-time problem. And for the Eagles, when they won in 2017, you had Frank Reich, who I think we can all agree is doing a pretty good job with the Colts. That team is good. They're not the best team in football, but they're consistently a 10-win kind of team. You envy that. You're in the playoffs every year. You've got a shot every year. That's what Frank Reich brings to the table. That guy knows what he's doing. So when you lose him, they had a quarterback coach, John Filippo. He left, and they weren't able to make good replacements. Different offensive coordinators. They've had a new wide receivers coach every year for the past five or six years. I'm not even exaggerating on that. I like to exaggerate and say, like, oh, they've had, you know, a billion this and that. But literally, for the last five or six years, there has been a new wide receiver coach every single year. That's insane. And so 
Maybe Doug Peterson's a good head coach. Maybe as a figurehead, as a guy that, hey, he gets along with the players, and when they have all these injuries, he can rally the troops, and that's a great that's a great and worthwhile thing to have in a head coach. But if you can't have the strategy and you need other guys to support you and really be the driving force of your success on the field in that way, then you're not going to last that long as a head coach. Doug Peterson did not last that long as a head coach. And by the way, once he got fired... He's out of the league right now. He's saying he's taking a year off. I I don't know. Maybe he is. Maybe he is. But I didn't read anything of teams knocking down his door either. Plenty of people will say they're going to take the year off, and then the right offer comes along, and three days later, they're like, yeah, you know, my kids will figure it out. I'll, I'll see them eventually. I mean, you know, whatever. They're <laughs> right? Like, how many times have been, yeah, I'm just hanging with my family. Just spend it. I just want to see my kids. Oh, how much money per year? All right, see you, kids. <laughs> we'll Zoom. We'll Skype. You know, figure it out. <laughs> Send me a Snapchat sometime, and I'll, I'll get an intern to figure out Snapchat for me. Like, that's that's what it is. That's how it goes with these guys. So, for Doug Peterson to not be in the league this year, I'm not surprised, right? Couldn't build a great staff. Seems like he's limited as an offensive head coach. He's a good figurehead. And so, that's where he's at. He's out of the league right now. So, you've seen the drafting be bad. You've seen the coaching deteriorate from a great staff to a bad staff. You see a great quarterback, as a result, regress to an awful quarterback. They couldn't develop him anymore. He he had a lot of power within the organization, and he didn't seem to have a great sense of accountability. He had a hard time dealing with competition. It all fell apart. It all fell apart. And you can look at Carson Wentz. You can pin it on him, just him. It's easy to because we just talk about quarterbacks all the time. That's what we do. It's always just, you know, Nick Mullins and the San Francisco 49ers against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. It's not... Joey Bosa uh, and the Chargers, you know, it, those aren't the kinds of conversations that we have. Not really, not often. It's about the quarterback. That's what they like to do. It's easy. It's fun. So when you look at it like that, it's easy to just pin it all on Wentz, and Wentz is an awful player, and he was. He was awful last year. He was god-awful. He was terrible, and he deserved to be benched four weeks before he was benched. But talent around him was bad. The guys that they've drafted the past couple of years have been misses. Here's the most notable miss. They, this came up like 100 times a day in Philly. They drafted Jalen Rager over Justin Jefferson. Miss of the century. I mean, seriously. And I feel bad for Jalen Rager because it's not his fault. But they were like, yeah, we known the kid for a while. His dad used to play in the organization. Let's take him. He's fast. Let's take him. And then Jefferson goes, who basically everybody rated him as a better receiver going into the draft anyway. And Justin Jefferson goes to the Vikings. He has a career, he is like an all-time great year as a rookie. And he's not going to be a Philadelphia Eagle ever. So what a miss that was. You know, those things matter. They pile up. The front office is accountable. The coach is accountable. The players declining is an accountability. Injuries is one of those things that it's plagued the team 2017. They had a lot of injuries. They overcame it. That was part of the story. 
if you remember, they were wearing dog masks in Philly, which was great, by the way. Uh, being in the middle of Broad Street in South Philly, where everyone around me is wearing a dog mask, I was wearing a dog mask and barking at strangers. It was a great time. It was one of the wildest times I've ever had in my life. It was awesome. But that whole underdog mentality came from the injuries that happened again in 2018 and 2019 and 2020. And it wasn't an injury or two. It was like 15 people on the injured list were done for the year by week two of the season. You know, that's what they were dealing with, like historic plagues every single year. So all of those things with the drafting, with the coaching staff, with Wentz himself, with the injuries, like all of it came together and they just have nothing left. Their future right now is maybe possibly Jalen Hurts, but also they could draft a quarterback at six. They've got a running back that's really great in Miles Sanders. What does that really matter? What does that mean? Really nothing. Unfortunately, what are running backs worth in the NFL? Not a lot. So they don't have a whole lot going on. They won the Super Bowl three years ago. They had all these players locked up. They didn't lose any major players. They kept that whole core together. It all fell apart. Three years later, Wentz is gone. He's a Colt. It's crazy. It's completely insane. And it's a lesson in how just you got to manage a lot of different things to win. You got to manage a lot of different things to win consistently. And so when you look at organizations like the Steelers, when you look at the Ravens, when you look at what New England's done for so long, you see teams like that. And it's a case in just being well-managed, drafting well, managing the cap well, not having to overcorrect for mistakes. And you're constantly playing playoff football. So anyway, that's it, it's just it, it's such an unbelievable case, and and I wanted to get that off my chest. So eight five five two one two four two two seven. That's how you join the show. Eight five five two one two four two two seven. Now, here's the other thing. When you think about where this is all going, right? For the Eagles, they've lost all their credibility. They're not a destination anymore. They're not a place where players are going to be. If the money's equal, you're not going to the Eagles. Odds are. So what does it mean to have respectability? What does it mean to be on the other side? How do those things benefit your team? What are the small ways you can see that happen? Well, there is one little story that came out in the news of a team that turned things around, and you can already see their future getting infinitely brighter. And we're going to talk about that on the other side. Keep it right here. I'm Vince Quinn with you on CBS Sports Radio.